Welcome to episode 59 of the Reformed Brotherhood. I'm Jesse. And I'm Tony. And we are proud members of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. Hey, brother. Hey, brother. How you doing? I'm doing great, and I'm particularly excited this week because I want to get to some affirmations and denials. Yes. Why don't you go first? Because we're going to want to spend a little bit of time on my first affirmation. Man, I'm so excited. I'm smiling, too, just because I know you're super stoked, whatever your affirmation is. Yes. I'm, I'm absolutely just a Twitter with this. Okay. All right. So here's what I'm affirming this week. I'm affirming with everybody who's been leaving us voicemails because they've been awesome. We listen to them all. There's been a lot of different kinds, and I know it's on our list. We want to somehow get those voicemails onto the cast with us so that people can hear and be a part of the conversation, get those voices in. So it's common, people. So please keep leaving us voicemails. But thanks especially to Jimmy and Gordy, who have left some amazing voicemails of encouragement and questions, and we're coming for you. So keep those calls coming. Absolutely. All right. So what are you affirming? So... I uh, have this application I use called Crowdfire. This is not what I'm affirming. It's just the intro to my affirmation. And what Crowdfire <laughs> does is it it basically like has an algorithm for me to build like a Twitter Twitter following. It's like you do certain things and it, it increases the number of people following you on Twitter. Okay. And one of the things it has you do is it has you follow people who are following other people. So like, yeah, I might follow the reform podcast and then it has me follow people who are following the reform podcast. And so when I follow all, none of that matters, but I discovered this Twitter account that is called Nate Haikuwitz. <laughs> and it is a parody account of Nate Pickowitz, who was our guest last week. And it's like the, whoever it was spent like an entire afternoon writing these haikus. So the first one they wrote was love theology tweet in precise syllables. I'm Nate Heikowitz. Oh, that's so good. I did see this actually this week. So and it's I, exceptional. I, I emailed Nate to see if it's him. He probably will tell me, but he probably will tell me not to tell anyone else, but it's, it's just the most phenomenal thing you've ever seen. So it's Nate Heikowitz, H A I K U W I C Z. So like here's another one that says Lawson MacArthur, our generation's finest. This is for certain. <laughs> Preach in New Hampshire. That's Gilmanton Ironworks reviving New England. It's it's amazing. Uh, I just I can't even imagine how awesome this is. So Nate I is wish, either the most brilliant marketer or he has hit the big time and now has like enough of a following to have a parody account of himself. So here's the thing about that, and this is no disrespect to Nate, because I love Nate. I'm just wondering if his poetry game is that strong. I mean, that's, whoever did this is, like, super creative. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I, I think what we should do is we should have an entire episode where Nate Pickowitz just reads these haikus from Nate Haikuwitz. <laughs> that's the whole episode. We, we need to do just a poetry jam episode. Yes. Where it's Nate and his really smooth New England voice reading those yeah. underneath like sweet, subtle jazz tones. I can make that happen. I think. Yeah, we, we should definitely do that. I love that. All right. What are you denying this week, Jesse? This week I'm denying the New York Yankees making it to the world series. <laughs> and I'm, I'm denying this for two reasons. One, because it happened and I love it. 
as a New Englander and as a lifelong Red Sox fan. And to actually, I guess that was the whole reason. There was no second reason. That's enough. Um, <laughs> this for me proves that the love of God is absolutely binding in a literal sense because I can conceive of no reason why any person on earth would be a Yankees fan. And yet, if I meet one who is a Christian, I still love them. <laughs> the The Yankees hate is real in New England. I know that everybody looks at us from the rest of the country and thinks they can't really hate the Yankees that much. But it's true. We love our Red Sox and we hate the Yankees. And there's really no good reason for it. I don't even watch baseball. And I have a Boston Red Sox hat that I wear regularly. Right. That. That's what I'm. It's one of the many things I love about you. I'm wearing a Red Sox hat right now. I know. almost said I'm wearing a Red Sox fan right now. That's how excited I was, even though our team didn't make it to the playoffs. But yeah, I'm definitely denying that they didn't make it, and I love every part of that. That is pretty funny. Yeah. So how about you? What's on the denial docket this week? I'm gonna bring us down just a little bit. So my heart is really heavy, and I'm denying strife in the church, and it's just it's been a week where like. It's been constant. There's been like a constant battle online about justification and good works. And there's constant battles about something all the time. And obviously, like I'm a theologian where theological website or podcast, there's a place for like theological battle, but it should be done with the intent to glorify the Lord and to correct and rebuke and restore a brother or sister in Christ. Right on. And so it's just been really heavy on my heart to like to see men of God. And I'm not, I'm, the, the example I'm using, obviously, is Mark Jones and R. Scott Clark, but it's not specifically just them. Like All around the internet this week has been lots of just fighting and arguing and bickering about stuff. And it's really important stuff, but it's just been heavy. So go hug a Christian that you disagree with and tell them you love them and then go buy them a coffee or a beer or something and just take time to be in unity with each other. Man, that's some good advice right at the top. You could just yeah. stop listening to this right now, and this would hopefully be enough to bless you. That was worth the price of admission, which incidentally is zero dollars. Yeah, it's free. I mean, there's an opportunity cost. You could be listening to something else. Man, I love as a finance person that you just bust out the words opportunity cost. It's the one thing I remember from high school economics. It's, that was absolutely oh, I have beautiful. supply and demand too. The 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 little cross and equilibrium is in the middle. That's I love that, that you called that a cross. <laughs> Whatever. Like the the intersection, what is it called? <laughs> yeah, I would say, yeah, I guess intersection. I just never heard anybody say, you know, the supply and demand cross. Like that's the perfect <laughs> hybrid of theology and economics coming go. to bear in this podcast. There you go. Um, one of the things we probably should talk about, speaking of good doctrine, good information, is this little contest that we have going on that's shortly coming to a close. Yes. Yeah. So we have the five solar series contest. Uh, all of our episodes in the month of October are sponsored by Zondervan, and they have provided us with one copy of each of the five Solas books. So head over to reformbrotherhood.com slash contest, and you can enter to win uh, one of those books. You can enter to win multiple ones, but we're only going to actually let you win one of them. And we're picking the winner soon, right? I mean, I ask not only just to build conversation, but because I honestly don't remember. We're picking yeah. the winner soon, right? Yeah. So the <laughs> entries close at uh, eleven or at midnight on uh, Eastern Standard Time or Eastern Daylight Time, whatever we're in now, Eastern Time, uh, on the 28th, which is this coming Saturday. This show will release on the 25th. The entries will close at the end of the day on the 28th. We are going to record on the 29th, and we will announce the winners on November 1st. So go uh, check it out. Um, it's a great opportunity. All five of the books are great. 
uh, sola fide is the one uh, the, the justification faith alone one is actually has the forward that launched this whole controversy that has me all bummed out today but the rest of the book is really good the forward's pretty good too um, but they're all they're all phenomenal and they can't can't recommend them enough they're great books so if you want some come and get some reformbrotherhood.com slash contest correct time is ticking so here's what i want us to talk about tonight tony this is something that i've actually been amazed at how i've seen this subject kind of burgeon into like all different areas and as you know a lot of the reading i do that i love is in like the finance world especially like finance and investing I listen to a couple of podcasts to that extent as, as almost everybody does with different things they enjoy but here's what's weird i've been seeing a lot of this conversation happening recently among like financial experts and these are guys that are like a big quant heads they love math and the conversation will go something like this. What's like the one of the best practices that you employ for making good financial decisions? And I'm seeing oftentimes that the number one answer given is I meditate. Yeah. So this idea of like meditation is coming back into like the mainstream, but in a way that's often not spiritual. It's for health benefits or for focus or just to remove distraction. But I'm amazed at how prevalent it's becoming. And now it's becoming like this best practice of if you want to think well, if you want to live well, well, what you need to do is meditate. And nobody really knows what that means oftentimes. They don't get a lot of different play on how they flesh it out or delineate the different pieces of what they're practicing. Right. But it got me thinking about meditation in the Christian life. And that's kind of pushed me on this little journey over the past couple months where I've been really trying to understand what meditation is, what it is in the Reformed kind of rubric, and whether or not I'm actually participating in it, and if there's actually a mandate to move forward with it. So I wanted to start off by just kind of getting a sense from you and asking you, what do you think of meditation? I mean, how would you describe it to, to somebody? Let's, well, let's start with like biblical meditation. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm a big fan of memorizing scripture. And I think that that actually is a huge part of meditating on scripture is to really get it into your mind. Because it's great to have a paper Bible or a Bible on your phone, but um, you can't roll over a scripture in your mind the way you can when you memorize it. So um, I've actually, one of the first things that I memorized when I kind of got in this this memorization kick was Psalm 1, which is actually, I think, the best description of what it means to meditate on God's word. So I'm just going to read the whole psalm. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So the psalm is basically setting up like, a man who is um, who is upright, who doesn't associate with the ways of sinners, not necessarily sinners themselves, but does not associate with the way of the wicked. He delights in the law of the Lord. He meditates on it day and night. And then it kind of sets up what's the result of that meditation. So when I think of meditating on the law of the Lord or on, on God's scripture, it's really about getting the scriptures in your mind and rolling them around and just kind of thinking about and processing those scriptures. It's not a, a mindless, vacuous, repetitive thought, thought process. You're not just like repeating a mantra, right. um, but you're actually like comprehending and contemplating 
the scriptures in an active sense. Man, we are such brothers. Nobody is going to believe this, but that was exactly the first place I was going to start with Psalm 1. I have it pulled up so that I could also read it. So you you just took that right away, which was nice. great. I also thought I was going to make a controversial statement to start off using Psalm 1, and clearly it's not going to be <laughs> controversial for us. But that's what I wanted to start with was I've been getting this idea that if you want to be a person God blesses, you have to plan to live differently. Yeah. And that's what I think Psalm 1 starts out with. And that idea of this tree, it struck me that the tree has this source of water that's not dependent on the weather. So if you want to live differently, you've got a purpose to think differently. And I think, of course, that's why Paul in Romans is talking about not to be con- not being conformed, but being transformed. Because once scripture's in the mind, like that changes, that actually does change how we think. Right. And it so, changes how we pray, which is a yeah, big deal exactly. too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it changes everything. It changes how we interact. But it's like a real change that's different than the consumption of other material. So, and I like what you said too about the idea of how we understand biblical meditation, because most other types of meditation, uh, and I've looked this up because I'm just interested in people that, again, use this as like a best practice to be more successful or to think more clearly. It's mostly focused on an emptying. So it's, it's get everything out of your mind, or if you, you try to sit in a space and let your mind decompress, as the thoughts come to you, you're supposed to just let them go, like let them roll over you, but not focus or dwell on any one thing. Uh, which seems like particularly dangerous to me that you want right. to put yourself in this vacuum where you don't let you just kind of try to empty out every cognizant idea, every every particular thought that you have. But I love how oftentimes when meditate is used in the scriptures, and it's it, you know it can be used in kind of this word play in relation to animals, and there it's meaning meaning like you said like lowing or cooing or purring. So it's not this emptying of the mind, but to utter the word of God, almost under your breath, like to continue to let it go through in repetition as you metabolize it. Right. And um, in Hebrew culture, you basically had to memorize before you could meditate. So I think you're right on that. That's like a huge part of this process. Um, you know, one of the things I want to kind of address and at least throw out that I, I'm really curious to hear you speak on is what do you think the difference, if there is something, what do you think the difference is though between study and meditation? Because we can be really good studiers, particularly people that are inclined to want to use their mental abilities to invest in theology. But I'm, before I go there, I want to see, like, is there a difference in your mind or are they basically the same thing? Yeah, I mean, I guess that's something I've never really thought extensively about. I, I guess I would say in an ideal world, in an ideal situation, they would be so interconnected with each other. But I think that would be more because our study should be a pious action. And what I mean by that is that when we study the word of God, whether we're a pastor preparing to preach or whether we're a theology student in seminary writing a paper or a podcaster trying to get ready for a show, whatever it is, when we come to the scriptures with a particular task in mind and we're studying the scriptures to accomplish that task, um, that should be an act of worship and piety just as much as just devotional reading or something like that. Um, I would say meditating is, is almost making the scripture an ends in itself and not, not, not to the level of like you're, you're meditating on the scripture for the sake of meditating on the scripture, but that's kind of, there's no next step, right? So when I, when I come to the scripture to study for a paper, there's a next step after I study the scripture. But when I meditate on the scripture, that is the step that I'm taking. And the purpose of that step is to get scripture into me, 
without necessarily having like a direct output like there would be in a paper or sermon prep or something like that. Right. Yeah, that's that's good. I mean, that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, I think that part of what we struggle with, especially in the form tradition, is the separation of these two things. Sometimes I think I can be fooled that study becomes meditation when it, it really hasn't made that bridge. I mean, yeah. somebody once said to me, you should study the Bible not so much to teach it as you study it to basically imbibe it and therefore let the outworking of that teaching be the thing that actually teaches others. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's right. I, I just think this is where... So I'll just go be honest, in complete candor, I think this is where there's like a, a big deficiency in the church writ large, and, and even like in a lot of reformed kind of thinking, because I think there is a difference between speculative study and spiritual meditation. And what I mean by that is, I think a lot of times as Christians, we just believe that meditation is nothing else but thinking over, looking and inquiring into the doctrines and the duties of the Word of God. But that's where the difference lies. If, if study is looking into the divine things in order to understand them, I think meditation is the ruminating upon those things in order to apply them to your cases, to your conscience, right. and to rise our affections towards spiritual things. So I'm wondering, I think there are many people that are well-studied, but what about our affections? You know, are, are, do we have strong spiritual affections? And I'm guessing we can each think of people that are learned, and I'm, I'm guessing we can think of people as well that really love the Lord Jesus Christ, have a heart that is centered on Him. And that doesn't just come from a vacuum. It comes from the kind of person that is actually, like you said, I guess making it an end to themselves in the way that there's no other reason except this helps them love God more. Right. But but there's like a, a feeling component to it. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it makes perfect sense. And I think for me, um, you know, seminary is crazy. It's a crazy pace. It's a crazy situation. Um, you, you are cramming as much information into your brain as you possibly can. And so you come out of seminary with all sorts of knowledge, but you don't always know exactly what to do with it. And what I've found is that as I've worked on meditating, memorizing the scripture, the meditation becomes easier. And then once the meditation becomes easier, my life begins to follow that pattern. So I'm going to read one more scripture. And this is another passage that I actually just memorized the other day. Um, It's Joshua 1, 8. It says, this book of the law and just a side note, I think when the scripture says book of the law, obviously there's a specific reference. It's talking about a specific text. But I think when we read the book of the law or when we read about the law as Christians, we can probably kind of extrapolate to the whole scriptures. So this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. And then verse nine, it says, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous, do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. So it's funny because the meditation or the, the, um, memorization software that I use, it it has those two as discrete verses, but I think they're really related. So this is the same exact pattern that we saw in Psalm one, right? Meditate on the law. If you meditate on the law, then you'll be a fruitful, godly person, and the Lord will be with you. The Lord knows the way right. of the righteous. And so for me, the, the the getting the scripture into my mind, into my memory, I'm actually able to see these connections between passages and between scriptures a lot more effectively than I ever was before. And I, it's not from reading commentaries, right? It's from memorizing scripture and just having it in my brain. And then when I'm praying whether I'm praying privately or I'm praying with a friend or I'm praying in front of the congregation on a Sunday morning, wherever it might be, the scriptures are now coming out of my mouth 
without me even always consciously thinking about it. Right. And scripture kind of, it's kind of like in, in the best possible way, it's like scripture suddenly becomes the air you breathe so much that you don't even notice it anymore, but in a really good way. It's not so much like, you know, we think about like the analogy with the fish who's in the fishbowl and he doesn't know that he doesn't know what water is because that's all he's ever known. It's kind of that, but in a, in like a positive sense that all of a sudden scripture is the air we breathe. And since it's the air that we breathe, it's also what comes out of us. It's, it's everything that we consume. It's our very source of life. Right. That's well said. I think that's absolutely right. That's the thing that like I've often thought, especially when it comes to, for instance, praying and singing, what better thing can you do than pray or sing God's word back to him? Like that's the safe place. And you know, that's the blessed place, right? Because these are powerful words that God has actually given to us. And that's why I'm making this contention that I think if you want to be a person blessed by God, you've got to meditate. And if we take that out and just say, well, you know, I do my I do my Bible reading. I go to church. I take I take good notes. I don't know that that's enough, or at least that's the conviction of the place where God is leading me. That you know, for instance, the Puritans were really high on meditation. But I think, like on the heels of what we've been talking about with the Reformation, that's because sola scriptura was paramount to them. They took right. God's word to be literally God's word, and so therefore, it was important not just to read it for the grand story arc, not just to read it for context but to actually find a way to pick apart the pieces and digest it so that it became the air that they breathe. It became part of who they were. And I think there's this is where we can get feeling in the best possible sense, if that makes any sense. Um, because usually Reformed people, if I can just be straight pejorative, are pretty stoic because we're yeah. pretty heady and well-minded. So we're naturally skeptical of feeling used inappropriately or sentimentality. But I think if study involves the thoughts of the head, then meditation consists in the thoughts of the heart. So it's getting these affections in the proper way. But I think if if we say, well, you know, I've done my reading and I've moved through a piece, if that's no different than how like you read the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times or any other thing, then that, in my opinion, is not really meditation. And I was seeing, I'm seeing still like a big gap in my life wanting to try to fill that space by moving beyond just giving intellectual assent to what's going on in God's word and instead finding place and space to chew on it. Uh, Because I have seen by God's grace that when I do that, like you said, it's amazing how the spirit himself draws these words out that we've digested in the proper place when we need to edify one another, especially in like times of gathered worship. Yeah, And that's like a real thing that I'm guessing you would point to as well and say, you didn't really plan that. It's not as if you got up there and said, let me, let me think about all the stuff I've memorized and how I can right. pack this into that prayer. It comes out by way of natural expression because we're suddenly getting an alignment of our mind and our heart, the things we think and the affections that we feel. Right. And I think a, a big part of meditation um, in the Christian sense is, is the application of Scripture. And the reason that I say that is because when we look at how meditation is described in the Bible and the passages we just read— it naturally, you know, naturally flows into the life of the believer. And so, you know, I, I would venture to guess that there are plenty of um, non-Christians, either people who think they're Christians who are not, but also people who are just not Christians who don't pretend and don't claim to be Christians, who probably know a lot of scripture, right? Bart Ehrman, right. who's like the leading critic of the New Testament, 
probably could quote scripture and explain scripture better than 90% of even reformed Christians in terms of explaining what the content of scripture is. So just reading scripture is not, um, is not the goal and it's not, um, it's really not all that special. It's something that a non-Christian can do. But when the Holy Spirit suddenly has changed you, and now these are the words of life instead of, um, you know, to kind of borrow a Lutheran paradigm, they're the words of death. The law is death to those who are not uh, in Christ. And now suddenly these words have become words of life to me. Of course I'm going to ruminate on it. Of course I'm going to meditate right. on it. Because now this is something that is is for my benefit rather than just like, ink on a page or the pious thoughts of a previous generation or something like that. So I think you're absolutely right that we really need to, as, as Christians, and I think as reformed Christians, particularly, we really need to get to the point where the scriptures become more than just a source of knowledge because they, the scriptures themselves testify to who Jesus Christ is. It's the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. It's the very word of God. And as a Christian, it's the very word of God for me. So, um, yeah, I think that you're probably right that we really just missed the boat on that a lot. Yeah, and it's funny. This is one of those things that's like people in different eras or epochs want to discover something brand new with all kinds of benefits. And God all along was aware of that, of course, because of how he created yeah. us. So, I mean, I believe God not only gave us, but created meditation for our benefit. So it's ironic that, you know, people would say this has all great health benefits. And, and right. that's true. But that's, that's like, it has great health benefits because it's kind of a derivative or a perversion of what he really desired. And that was what you said. Like, we, we should be able to delight in the law as we delight in food. Right. And if we're not delighting in the word of God like that, where we have an appetite for it, then I think we have to be concerned, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know I'm, I'm feeling like really introspective today. I'm not sure why. I know for a long time as a Christian, it was a struggle to read the scripture. And it, it wasn't because I didn't know it was important. It wasn't because of any of that. I just didn't have a desire to do it. And, um, you know, that's a sin in my life to not desire God's word. But I think for me, where the turn, where the corner turned was when I started to recognize there's, we have a listener. I'm not going to use his name because I don't have his permission. I've talked about him before, but I have a friend from college who, went off to seminary to a liberal seminary and basically like flew off the rails and kind of walked away from the faith. And over the course of a couple of years, you know, I'd get a Facebook message from him here and there an email or whatever. I'd run into him when I was back home and, you know, he would talk about his life and how he had these questions and I would point to scripture for him. And then he started reading the scriptures and he started taking the scriptures seriously and the Holy spirit changed his life and brought him to a real vibrant transformational faith that he didn't have before. And seeing that development was a was a corner for me because I've always taken the scriptures seriously. Right. But recognizing seeing the scriptures actually change a person's life and and turn them con- conform them to the image of God to turn look more like Jesus. I was like what am I doing by like oh yeah I, I read my 15 minutes of bible in the morning and and then I check off my box. It's like, well, no, I should be like hungry for the scriptures. I should, right. I should be saying like, all right, I've got, I've got five minutes while I wait for the bus. I can get a chapter in here. You know, just like sometimes people who are like really crazy about like running or, or fitness and stuff, like they'll stand at the bus stop and they'll jog in place because they just got to get their steps in. Well, 
okay, they want to get their steps in. Do we feel that way about the scriptures? If we had like something we could put on our wrist, like a Fitbit that kept track of how much scripture we were reading and reported to us at the end of the day that we did or didn't meet a goal. And you know, all of the, all of the spiritual health metrics that go along with that, just like our Fitbits do, would we take it as seriously as we take our Fitbits? I mean, I think almost everybody has a Fitbit nowadays yeah. and like, we just don't do that with scripture and scripture is infinitely more valuable to us than physical health is. So I, I guess I just, I think it's just an issue where we all kind of give lip service to the fact that we love the scripture, but we don't, we don't really act like the scripture is all that big of a deal to us. Yeah. I'm sensitive to this argument among some that say, don't get so focused on trying to read the Bible every way in a legalistic way, because that wasn't the normal historical experience. Right. I get that. And I think, I wonder part of the validity of that argument is that we have brokered a sense of accomplishment in just the volume of what we're able to read or consume or the ability to to just go through a passage. Right. Whereas the person who says, I open up my Bible daily, not because I know I have an app that's going to bark at me if I don't finish it today, but because I'm hungry and thirsty. And I, I realize I'm totally contingent. And because... I realize we're people that need to be spoken to, and this is the way God speaks. Right. Is through his word, and through the metabolizing of it. Like you said, not just the scripture, but the scripture for me. And that cannot happen in just a cursory way. It has to happen where I guess I take it and, and jog in place with it, so to speak. Yeah. So that it's present with me, and I'm kind of getting something more than just just a little, little arc. I mean, I would make the case to say that I think the chief part of the experience of religion is included and contained in meditation. That's yeah. where I'm, I'm increasingly coming to that. It's only in, in meditation that we're going to feel all the experiences of a spiritual life and exercise all the graces of the spirit. And so I think this is what the great gift that God has given us, not just his word, but the ability for us to digest it in such a way that it does actually start to have an impact on how we think. Because I think like how you think is the test of who you are for the most part, because you can do a bunch of really good stuff with a wrong headedness, or you can do a lot of good stuff and hide your, your true motives. But the thought taking captive every thought doesn't just happen. If I just kind of dip into the Bible for 10 or 15 minutes without taking something beyond that time and really trying to process it. Yeah. So I, I'm, I just want to get to that place where I can do that more regularly and I have some good kind of techniques to move in that direction, you know? Yeah. And I think too, um, I think we instinctively know, I mean, you and I both affirm the regulative principle of worship and that um, applies differently to the Lord's day worship and the structured formal worship of the church. Uh, It's not that it doesn't apply to the rest of life, but it applies in a different way. And so we, I think we instinctively know that the scriptures regulate our lives. And to be honest, like we don't like that. So I know, I know for me, like sometimes when I have a particular sin or attitude issue or whatever it is that I know needs to be corrected, that's actually when I'm more hesitant to go to the scriptures. And it's mm. because I know that God is going to bring that part of me that I, I want to cling on to. He's going to bring that into alignment as I read the scripture. And so I just want to read um, the first few questions of the, the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Excuse me. It says, question one, what is the chief end of man? Right, Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So the catechism is establishing what the purpose of man, man as a species, as a race, and man, each man as an individual person as well. The very next question is, what rule hath God given to direct us how we may glorify and enjoy him? And the answer is the Bible. 
So we, we come to the Bible and we want to, we all want to worship God in our own way, right? We want to, we want to determine the best way for us to worship God and the way that makes us feel great. But the scriptures are what regulates not just our worship, but our entire life. So whether or not how, how I treat my wife, how I treat my coworkers, how I, how I obey the speed limit on my way to work in the morning, right like all of those things are in a roundabout sense and sometimes in not so roundabout sense regulated by the scriptures. And so I think we have to be intentional to fight against the, the um, tendency to withdraw from the scriptures because we don't like that. We want to do things the way we want to do things. And I, I've found that as I meditate, and, and I'm, I guess I'm kind of using meditate and memorize in sort of a synonymous sense that as I get more scripture deep into my mind and into my heart in a sense that it's there and I don't need to think about it anymore, it's there. It's part of my knowledge base and it's part of my um, everyday working memory. It's part of my programming. I'm rewiring right. myself. Yes, exactly. God is rewiring me. Exactly. With this scripture that I'm embedding in myself, I don't have to, I don't feel as hesitant to go to the scripture anymore because it's already part of who I am. So now it's right. kind of like learning a new language. Like I'm not, I'm not as, it's not as scary for me to go to the scriptures because I already kind of speak that language. And the more that I go to the scriptures, the more I speak that language, then the easier. And all of a sudden you turn this corner and it's like, no longer am I fighting the desire to stay away from the scripture but I'm, I'm scrambling to try to find time to get into the scriptures for, for both a meditation and a study sense. Like I want to study the scriptures now. I'm, I'm going back to my study Bibles and I'm looking at them deeply. And, and it, I've just found it. it's as much as we want to speak about being people of the book, especially as Protestants. I mean, we're, we're coming up on like six days or whatever it is until the, the 500th anniversary. Um, you know, we'll just ignore the fact that the 95 theses doesn't really have anything to do with scripture, but um you know, we're coming up on the, um, we're coming up on this big anniversary and sola scriptura, right? Rah, 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 sola scriptura. Right. But exactly. like a lot of us don't even read the Bible every day. Right. So exactly. things that people in, in not so distant church history past, right? 500 years is a drop in the bucket in terms of, um, the grand scheme of eternity and the grand scheme of recorded history. It's not that big of a, it's not that much of a time difference. People died for the ability for us to read our Bibles, and we just kind of like leave it sitting on the shelf. We don't even like look at it most of the time, and that's really, I mean, that's kind of frustrating to me. Yeah, and, and you're describing this wonderful work of the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, in my mind, even almost before we get to the Scriptures, we should be in a place where we're prepared for the Spirit to do His work, because there's a necessity for the spiritual operations of the Spirit of God in order to meditate properly. So yeah. uh, we've all been through these times, and me especially where without the Holy Spirit, all of our contemplations will be dry study. It'll just be speculative thought. It'll be laborious and without success. But if the divine spirit takes the things of Christ and shows them to our souls, then we're going to be able to see, and then we can realize them, then we can feel them, then we can apply that stuff. And I'm wondering even, you know, how flippantly I pick up the Bible sometimes, where I know I should get into it, but I'm already like way behind because I have not approached the Spirit. And in some ways, that's quenching the Spirit. And, and because right. the Holy Spirit is a wise and just agent, you know, the Bible says when he is quenched or grieved, he's going to resent that indignity and he'll justly withdraw. Yeah. So in the Puritans, we're big on that. This idea of that, you, you got to have a sensibility about where you are in your relationship with God. And part of approaching the Bible in the incorrect way 
can actually do greater injustice than just leaving it be until you come to a place where you fall on your knees and yeah. you say, I want to be done with my sin. I want to see it in all its odious colors, so I hate it. I want to repent of that. And I want to come under submission so I can hear the voice of God in his words. So I'm not trying to do it on my own. So I'm with you on that. And this is where I think there's just so much room for all of us to grow. And memorization is a really great way because if you memorize anything, all you've got to do is like continue to repeat it. It's, memorization right. is just like rote repetition sometimes. But I can't tell you how many passages um, where I've spent some time either in study because I had to teach something or because I wanted to memorize them, where I thought I felt pretty good about how I, I knew them. But not until like day, let's say like even day 15 of memorizing it, all of a sudden something popped out to me in the formation of words or as I was trying to memorize. Yeah. Where I, would, I, would, I would literally be like, this is an epiphany, like sweet mercy. I cannot believe how amazing this is. And it's been in front of me the entire time. And yeah. that's nothing but the work of the, of the spirit of God. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And like, I remember when I first you know, came to the church. I don't, I don't know how long um, dad has been doing it with this church where he has a, like an annual memory verse that the whole congregation memorizes. But this was the first church that I had encountered that at. And if I'm being perfectly honest, I thought it was kind of weird when I first did it. And mostly just because I've never seen it before. Right. But it's, it's something, it's something that I've really come to learn to love because I can say, you know, our, our memory verse this year is uh, Galatians six, nine and 10, right? Um, uh, let us not become weary in doing good, uh, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I'm going to totally butcher it now because I'm on the spot. Um, but then it says, <laughs> therefore, as as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Right. So we memorize that as a congregation. And what I'm finding is I'm more likely to do good to the people who are part of the family of believers because that verse is constantly in my mind because I'm Amen. constantly working on memorizing it. But on top of that, I can say to people in my congregation when they're not doing good to all people, I can say to them, don't forget, we're called to do good to all people. And we're especially called to do good to the people who are a part of God's family. And all of a sudden, rather than that, just being like pious advice from another Christian, which is, is fine. Like it's fine for Christians to give advice to other Christians, but all of a sudden I'm now literally speaking the words of God to them and their mind is immediately going back because we have both memorized that passage. Yeah. Right um, on. You know, sources of encouragement, all sorts of different things. And it's just a, it's just a resource that God has given us for our benefit that we, we don't really do as much with as I think we probably could and should do with. So maybe maybe we can kind of turn gears here a little bit and think about strategies, right? How do yeah. we how do we actually do this? So one of the things that's been helpful for me, you introduced this to me actually, is the Scripture Typer app, yeah, um, which is great. And I I would encourage we actually have a group for this, right? And one of the things I'd like to do is kind of to work on developing this group where we're anybody who wants to be a part of it just email us at reformbrotherhood at gmail dot com. Yeah, but basically it's an application that just helps you memorize scripture by allowing you to type it out on your smartphone, tablet, or online. And it kind yep. of brings you through a couple of various stages, right? And kind of a repetition to get you to grow it. And then it put, creates an automatic schedule for you to renew it or right. review it because, you know, memorizing is a bit like pulling weeds out of your garden. You'll memorize something, but you got to come back to it from time to time. And that's how yep. it keeps it fresh in your heart and on the top of your mind. Um, but basically what's been helpful for me is I try now every day when I'm reading 
the scriptures. And right now I'm working through that Murray McShay reading plan, which is like four readings a day. Right. I don't. I try not to let myself go so stressed out about trying to meditate on everything. My goal is to read it, to comprehend it, and read it well, and to do so carefully, but to pull out just one phrase or something that I'm going to take with me the rest of the day. Yeah. And at specific intervals, take time to pause, especially before I pray. So if it's I'm praying for lunch or whatever, before I go into a meeting or have a conversation, uh, I use that as my cue to say, what was it that I read this morning that I want to apply? And the beautiful thing about this, in my opinion, is meditation is not about volume. That was so liberating to me. So for instance, one of the verses I've memorized recently, this is going to sound so lame, but th- that's the point. It's a tiny little verse. It's Psalm 56, three, 3, which there's some things going on in my world, and this has been so important to me. And that just reads, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. And yeah. it's such a simple phrase, but I'll tell you what, after like the seventh day of, of working on that, for some reason, the verb put jumped out to me. And it was this idea that it's not just passively, I trust in you, but I volitionally choose to put my weight leaning on God. Yeah. That was so transformative. And I, I think that that was the Holy Spirit showing the fruit by rewarding the meditation. So I would yeah. say using that app is really great. And just taking a small verse, starting out small and using that as a way to, to memorize. I don't know, what else, what else you got? What other strategies do you use? Yeah, I mean, you you literally stole everything I was going to say, but <laughs> I mean, I can't affirm that enough. I can't I can't repeat what you said more, but I just think we have to learn that the scripture needs to be a part of who we are. Yes, it can't stay. You know, we mentioned it last week that part part of the Reformation and part of the reason that the scripture is so important is because it's a word that comes to us from the outside and we receive that word by faith and then by faith we receive christ and all his benefits but if that word permanently stays outside of you rather than getting into you then you've missed the point entirely and it would be like saying that christ comes to me from outside but i'm going to keep him outside i'm not going to do anything to let or bring him in and so faith has to receive the scriptures from outside but faith also appropriates and internalizes the scriptures right and so for me the way that I use scripture typer is I have a couple like big chunks of scripture that I've been working on. So I memorized Psalm one, I memorized Psalm 23. I memorized the 10 commandments. Um, I memorized the beatitudes. You want an exercise in humility and yeah, in, that's in awesome. sort of God beating the pride out of you memorize the beatitudes. But what's cool about the beatitudes that I've been, been recognizing is as I've memorized the beatitudes, I'm starting to see little phrases in other parts of the scripture that make me go, huh? I wonder if that's what Jesus was talking about. Right. So you you're you start to you start to see these connections in scripture and it draws you further into the scriptures, into both more meditation and more study. So I would say um you know, start off small, but also don't be afraid to be kind of ambitious about it too. Because that's the beauty of the way that this software is set up um is it if you get something wrong, it makes you do it again. It makes you keep doing it until you get it. And if you get it wrong, it's going to make you do it again tomorrow. And then once you start to get it, that's when it starts to stretch it out a little bit. So I think it's like one day and then two days and three days. And then it goes to one week and then two weeks. And then I think it's one month, two months until suddenly you're only repeating it once a year. So you can add scriptures as you go. And it, it doesn't overwhelm you because as you learn the scriptures, they kind of they don't drop away. But you're not reviewing them every day. At first, it right. was like, man, I'm, I'm like... 
if I add a scripture every day, then all of a sudden I'm going to be I'm going to be spending like an hour typing scriptures into my phone, which would be fine if you have time to do it. That's totally fine, <laughs> but it's it's really not like that, right? It's, so, no, it's not. I would also say like it, it sounds really cheesy, but find ways to associate the scriptures with things that they apply to. So maybe yes. it's a scripture about being um, being kind and gentle to everyone. Maybe you put up. Blessed are the meek, for they'll inherit the earth, right? Maybe you put that up on your computer at work because the person who sits in the next cubicle really ticks you off and you need to learn to be meek specifically around that person. Or maybe you put up something, you know, on next to where you put your key into your car about being, about how anger is, you know, a, a verse about anger and how we shouldn't be angry people, whatever. I can't think of which verse that might be, but I'm, you know, I know that it's there. We, we put those in places that kind of trigger us to remember those scriptures, and also help train us to apply those scriptures to the parts of life that we know they need to be applied to. I love that stuff. I like the idea of memorizing large chunks and maybe a, a challenge or a strategy would be, do you remember that show 24? I, the, I remember the show. I never really watched it, but with yeah. Jack Bauer. Yeah. So there was this, so for a little while, my wife and I used to get together with another couple uh, every week to watch that together. And so um, he and I decided that we were going to memorize the book of Philippians and we would take the opportunity before that show started to to um, recite what we had covered yeah. uh, so far that week. So having a friend go through it with you is super encouraging and actually yeah. a lot of fun. Like Especially if you're a little bit competitive, that's okay. I think it's okay to challenge yourself uh, to learn. And then when you hear it proclaimed to you, I mean... There is something about, if you've ever heard somebody recite a large portion of scripture from memory to you, yeah. it is powerful. I mean, I, mean, I, I think that obviously the, the Spirit is empowering the Word of God whenever it's spoken or preached, but how much more so when it's from memory, when you can sense what's dropped away is like all of the all of the little noise that comes from just trying to read a text properly. Right. When you in, have internalized it into the essence of your being and you're speaking it now with power because it's been metabolized, that is amazing yeah we should all really want to get to that point where we can do that with large blocks so i think this is one of those areas where even if you say like i'm not big into memorization if god has said that we need to hide his word in our hearts then he will empower memorization and i think what we have here is not something that we see doesn't work we just haven't tested it and so therefore we don't know that it actually does work so grab a friend and go to town pick a pick a book pick a chapter the Beatitudes are great. That's a really good example, I would, I would say. Um, what you have any other strategies for just like kind of meditation in general? Yeah, I mean, I think um, the other thing too is engage your senses in different ways. So, um, audio Bibles are really helpful because we process, um, you know, the way that our brains are are designed and the way that our brains function. Um, which it, after the fall is not necessarily exactly the same thing, but um, our speech center, what what part of our brain is engaged when we're talking is not the same as the part of our brain that's engaged when we hear something or even when we sing something or when we read something. So engaging the scriptures using different parts of your brain and the way you do that is by engaging different faculties. So you may sing the scriptures, Right. When I was in confirmation, you know, I went to a Lutheran church when I was a teenager, I was in confirmation and we had to memorize the Apostles Creed and I had no idea how I was going to do it. And I got to like the night before I was supposed to do my big recitation on catechism night 
and I still hadn't memorized it. And I listened to Third Day's version of the Creed, right? A song. Nice, nice. I listened to it before I went to bed and I learned to sing the song. And all of a sudden it was like I knew it. And then I could say it because now the words were in my brain. I just had to sort of like take that second to translate it from the song into an actual phrasing. So, you know, all that to say that if we engage the scriptures with different um, parts of our brain and different parts of our mind, then that helps us to internalize it in multiple ways as well. I'm going to need you to do that right now. Can you just sing, sing that? Yeah, I don't remember that part at all. <laughs> You don't want me to sing on this podcast. No, no but music me. is a, a big thing. That That's an excellent, not just a memorization technique, but I mean, I can't tell you how many ridiculous lyrics I know from all different kinds of songs. I haven't thought about it in years, but like that song came, comes on and it's like yeah. second nature. Like I could probably sing most of Bye 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 by NSYNC and I have no idea why. <laughs> I'm going to need you to do that right now. <laughs> I knew that was going <laughs> to happen as soon as I said that. Um, one of the other things I also like, and again, these are, just I think little things that help us, and this may even be outside the scope of memorization, but just take a verse and, or a phrase that really jumped out to you, to you, perhaps in your your daily time in the scriptures, and just take each word and emphasize it differently. So if you were looking at, let's yeah. say like John 2, 5, which reads, whatever he says to you, do it. You could start just by saying like, whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. Like even something like that is tremendously helpful and giving us like this full orb view of what yeah. God is saying to us. Or take that verse, write it in your own words, or pray yeah. through a text. I think one of my favorite things, somebody turned me this on to me, turn this on to me, turn me on to this like several <laughs> years ago. And that is the I think what he called it was like this ask the Philippians four eight questions. So yeah. when you read a, a text, then ask yourself, what is true about this text? What is honorable? What is right? What is pure? What is lovely? What is excellent about it? What is praiseworthy about it? So it's yeah. almost, this is a beautiful rubric because you're using the scripture as the rubric to digest the scripture. And these little things, I think the spirit really honors. This is the, the way in which we can metabolize, internalize what we're reading so that it does become part of who we are. So I just, I'm stoked to get after this a little bit more, whether it's memorization or just kind of this really gut level meditation. I want my affections to grow for the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I'm realizing that just sheer voluminous reading is not going to do that, that God calls us to more than that. And uh, that's what I want to be about. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good word. I, I think, you know, scripture has to be the center of our devotional life, right? Prayer and scripture and, and not much more than that. And I think we as Reformed Christians, especially as Reformed Christians, we tend to make everything more complicated than it needs to be. For sure. And our devotional life, not just like devotions, like that thing that I do in the morning before I go to work or whatever, but our devotional life, our life of piety, right? Classic Reformed piety is incredibly simple, right? You worship with your family every day and you pray uh, as often as you can. And you faithfully attend to the means of grace on the Lord's day. That's it. That's really all there is to it. And we, as as Reformed evangelical Christians, have made this whole like complex of things, like devotional studies and right, you know, exactly the, the environmentalist Bible, New King James, you know, English Standard Version edition with the you know whatever. And we just need to get back to the simple basic practice of meditating on the scripture 
and praying God, repeating his words back to him, right? Amen. That's the fundamental task of theology in an intellectual sense is to tell God what he's already said to us. But that that theological act is also the core of what it means to to glorify God with our devotional life too. We pray to God what he has already said. We pray what he's taught us to pray. Um, not just the Lord's Prayer, but just in general, we pray the Psalms, right? That's a huge thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't, I, I think this was a great topic and I, I really hope that people are able to just digest what has been said and really get back into the scriptures and just ruminate on it and, and let it be the source of encouragement and life that it is intended to be. And there's so much space for us to encourage each other, edify each other in this, because I think there's a large spectrum of things that we can do to promote meditation. So to that yeah. end, if you've got things that you do and you want to share, like I hope you'll speak into this conversation, you can do that probably best and easiest by leaving us a voicemail, which again, yes. we're working on getting the voicemails <laughs> integrated. We're not a high technology podcast, but you no. know, we're, we're getting there. But leave us a voicemail by calling 607 607- Four 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 two seven six seven. Yes, and uh, there are a whole other myriad of ways to get a hold of us. You can go to uh, reformbrotherhood.com, and all of that's available there. And I am proud to announce that we now have a consolidated Society of Reform Podcasters iTunes. Yes. Feed. So if you want to get all of our content in one easy to subscribe uh, location, um, that's the place to go. So you can search for Society of Reform Podcasters on iTunes. Um, it's available on all your major podcatchers. And the beauty of that is I heard a rumor that we may be courting a new uh, society member podcast soon. That is correct. And if you subscribe to the Society of Reform Podcaster feed, you won't have to do anything to get all that new content. It'll just it's show just up in your, on your automatically phone. pop in there. I know. Just like the scripture automatically pops into your mind when you've meditated on it properly. Just like that. Just like that. <laughs> so a, a podcast feed is like your phone meditating on a podcast. Is that what we're, I, I don't know. I just derailed our whole thing. No, no that was, that was fantastic. <laughs> I, I mean, but actually to that end, it, it's not as if like, of course, the whole of meditation is just the auditory piece, but listening to good podcasts yeah. i mean not just this one which obviously is excellent but and any <laughs> other one that's good is helpful for that it keeps bringing the scriptures front and center in your mind and hopefully that's transforming all of us so that we're actually living in the brotherhood that god wants us to yeah all right well that should just about do it jesse do you have any closing words of wisdom as the elder brother here uh i don't except that i guess i do then um <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This is some people do like, no, there's nothing else I want to say except for this. Or yeah. I, I always hate that. So I try to avoid it, but clearly did not do a good job. <laughs> um, yeah. I know that one of the things you and I are increasingly passionate about is memorization. So we, we got to get together and work a little bit at uh, beefing up our group on scripture typer um, yeah, because I, we can start I a group and actually, connect each other. I may have actually deleted it because we weren't using it, but I will remake what? it for okay. us. Yeah, because I think what, what we should do is we should probably start off with as like a little group. Anybody's interested is doing Psalm one. That I think that'd be a great place to start. Yeah, yeah, so, we can definitely do that. We'll make it up. at gmail if you want to get in on that group, and we'll get you added uh, as soon as we can. But until next time, honor everyone, love the brotherhood.
bye 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 <laughs>